on. We're looking at Daniel. And uh, tonight I've got the absolute privilege of speaking um, on a, um, from Daniel 6. Daniel in the lion's den. And uh, as soon as everyone kind of hears that you're preaching on Daniel in the lion's den, they're like, oh, why would you get the best one? Why would you get chapter 6? And... Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to get Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den is one of the first stories that you um, learn when you're in um, kids' church. or it's, it's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's kind of like David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den. So um, I'm happy to be preaching from it this mor- uh, tonight. Talking about this morning, uh, can we just give it up for Jess? What an amazing word she brought. I even had a couple of people come up to me and say, good luck following that tonight. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll, I'll do my best. All right, Daniel 6. Darius reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors to administer all the parts of his realm. Over them were three vice regents, one of whom was Daniel. The governors reported to the vice regents who made sure that everything was in order for the king. But Daniel... Brimming with spirit and intelligence, so completely outclassed the other vice regents and governors that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. The vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use against him, but they couldn't dig up anything. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of negligence or misconduct. I want to stop there. And tonight, I want, to, uh, I want to title this message, There's Something About Daniel. And uh, I, made, uh, I made a bit of a title page. Jess will be impressed. Um, but uh, there's something about Daniel. And uh, I want to look into that tonight. And I want to focus on what it is. Because uh, I believe that tonight, if we get what... God is trying to say to us that people will look at our life and say there's something about Rihanna or there's something about Jeff or there's something about Joseph or there's something about you if we can grasp what God's trying to talk to us about tonight. So let's pray and then we'll get into it. Well, God, I just thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're always giving us fresh revelation and new words and Lord Jesus that we know that every time we enter into your presence... We're going to leave learning more about you. We're going to leave uh, encountering you. And Jesus, tonight I just pray that uh, I'll just step out of the way. Uh, I take my hands off and ask that you, God, will speak through me, that uh, your presence will be in this place, and that uh, we will just um, have an encounter with you. Lord Jesus, and I just pray that uh, you'll just help my laptop battery last. In Jesus' name, amen. There's something about that. I thought Dad's charger at home was the same as mine it's not so but we're running we're all right we're not in the red yet so we'll be good there's something about Daniel and there's something about Daniel that the other vice regents didn't like there was something about him that they just didn't really like and I'm going to jump back to verse three and I believe that this is what it is I was reading through it and uh but Daniel brimming with spirit and as I was reading this verse, I was reading this, this chapter, as soon as I read brimming with spirit, it just leapt out of the page. And, for, and I just couldn't let go of what it was 
about that quick line, but Daniel brimming with spirit. I had an uh, opportunity um, a couple of weeks ago to go t- to LA, and um, it was an amazing trip. I got to take 13 students, myself and Jess, and, and Jamie Faye went, and it was an amazing time. It was, it was a really um, incredible time. But there was this one uh, afternoon that we got to go and um, spend some time in Long Beach and uh, with the pastor of the Dream Center in Long Beach. And this guy, his name was Jonathan. And this guy, there was something about Jonathan. There was something about him. And I remember walking in and he sat there. And from the moment we met him, he was different. From the moment we met him, he sat there and he was so excited that we were there. He was so excited about everything that was going on in Long Beach. He was so excited to tell us his story. He was so excited to talk about the things that God had done. I remember we walked in and he goes, hey guys, well, uh, my name's Jonathan and, and when I was 15, I was in jail. And, um, and then I met an old lady who used to come in and talk to me and she'd take me to the Dream Center and God rescued me. He saved my life. And, uh, and here I am now. I'm pastoring a church. And um, God is just the best. God is good. And uh, we walked around his facility. And it was not like the greatest facility. And he would talk about the things on the wall, the color that he was painting that wall. And he would go and he goes, yeah, well, we got this room. And this is going to be our kids' church room. And uh, at the moment, you see that... Um, all this paint we got donated for free and he would go through and then he would take us into the kitchen and uh, he would talk about the kitchen and uh, the kitchen had no door handles on it and he was like, but Tuesday we're getting door handles and, uh, and he, was just, he was just pumped. He was excited and I remember we walked in, walked out on the street because for that, um, that afternoon we were doing um, house knocks and we were, tell- we were telling people about church and about an event, and I remember walking down the street, and those two guys walking towards us, and I kind of like just bowed my head a little bit, and they would, and, and he goes up to him, he goes, "Boys, what's going on?" And he goes, "I heard you're a rapper, and, and this kid here," and he points to me, and he's like, "He's a rapper too, and he wants to throw down with you right now," <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "True disciple, one who lives a life of sacrifice." No, seriously. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. But there was something about Jonathan, something that made me want to walk to the front of the group and get around Jonathan because he was brimming with spirit. And that spirit was overflowing. And I thought to myself, if I can just get around him, if I can just be near him, I want to catch what it is that he has. I want to catch what it is that is overflowing when he walks. Because we know that when a, when a cup is brimming to the, fo- to, to the top, when it starts to move, things start to fall out. And when we're moving and we're brimming with spirit, the spirit starts to just fall out. The spirit starts to just overflow. And people all of a sudden, when they get around you, when they get around you, will start to catch what it is that you have. And there's something about Daniel in this story that people didn't understand. He stood out among the rest. He stood out. He outclassed them. He was, out, he, he was noticeable to everyone. And these people, they thought, hang on, there's something about them. There's something about him. And I want to encourage you tonight as Christians. As Christians, what is it that people notice when they look at your life? 
What is it that people notice when they, when they see you walking into work? Or they see you walking into a restaurant? What is that that the people will notice as, Christ, as Christians? We should be full of spirit. We should be full of the spirit. And you know, the thing is, is that when we're full of spirit, these are the things that, start, that people start to notice. They start to notice love. They start to notice joy. They start to notice peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. They start to notice the fruits of the Spirit. And when we're full of the Spirit, those things just start to overflow. Those things just start to overflow. And people will walk through those doors of North Lakes and start to see a people that are overflowing with love. They'll start to see a, a people that is full of spirit, that has patience for people who walk through those doors. That doesn't matter what they're wearing, it doesn't matter what they look like, it doesn't matter where they've come from or anything like that. They will walk into a place that is so full of the spirit of God that they will feel loved. They will walk into a place that is full of joy. They will walk into a church that is full of the spirit. And Daniel was full of the Spirit. And these people didn't understand what it was about Daniel that they didn't, they didn't like. So all, all of a sudden, we see that they start to conjure up something. And it says here, it says, So finally they gave up and said, We're never going to find anything against Daniel unless we can cook up something religious. I don't know, that scares me. That scares me, the fact that, that they, they cooked up something religious against Daniel. You know, and, and it wasn't something like, it wasn't something bad. It wasn't something, um, you know, it wasn't a, a rumor. It wasn't anything like that. It was religious. They used religion against him. And it goes on to say, the vice regents and governors conspired together and then went to the king and said, King Darius, live forever. We've convened your vice regents, governors, and all your leading officials and have agreed that the king should issue the following decree. For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any god or mortal except you, O king. Anyone who disobeys you will be thrown into the lion's den. Issue this decree, O king, and make it unconditional as if written in stone like all the laws of Medes and the Persians. King Darius signed the decree. You know what, church, the, the enemy doesn't like to see you full of spirit. Because the enemy is more aware of your potential than you are. The enemy knows how powerful you can be if you're full of spirit. He knows how powerful you can be in your workplace if you're full of the spirit of God. He knows how powerful a church this church can be in our community if this church is full of the Spirit of God. So what he's going to try and do is he's going to try and bring you down. He's going to try and make sure that you don't reach your full potential. That every time you get near to being full of the Spirit, he's going to try and conjure up something to tear you down. Therefore, you will not live to the full potential and you will not have the full Spirit Unless we just go anyway. Unless we're not worried about what the enemy's going to do. We're not, going to wor- we're not worried about what people are going to say. We're just going to go after the Spirit. 
we're going to be full of the Spirit no matter what. But as we see here, people will come and try and tear you down. People will come and and, and try and will be jealous of, of the fact that they see something different in you. But... The thing about this is, and what I was thinking when I was reading this is, is Daniel was full of the Spirit. And the Spirit is for everyone, for every single person. The Spirit of the Lord is for everyone. And so I think when I read this, they could have had what Daniel had. They, they could have had the Spirit that Daniel had that made him noticeable, that made him stand out. And I think I was challenged because there's been times where I've looked at someone and I've wanted what they had. And I have, you know, maybe said things or, or done things or, or something like that because I, was, I wanted what they had. But God was like, Joel, you can have what they have. The spirit, my spirit is for every single person. You can have the love that they have. You can have the joy that they have. You can have the patience that they have. The spirit of the Lord is for every single person in this world. It doesn't matter about anything. What matters is you open up and you allow the spirit to fill you. And so if these guys knew that, they would have understood that they didn't have to pick a fight with Daniel. They didn't have to pick a fight with someone that they probably shouldn't have. It's like me picking an arm wrestle with Brad Campbell. The guy's brimming with muscle. You know what I mean? But they would understand that this is a fight that they didn't have to pick if they understood that they too could be filled with the Spirit of God. Thanks, Jared. Oh, no. But we also need to be careful. We also need to be careful that we don't do that to others. You know, as I felt it, it's for you too, that when you find yourself in that situation, you can be filled with the Spirit too. When you find yourself getting a little bit jealous about someone else's situation or the fact that they just, for some reason, feel like they can, they have so much love and they have so much joy, I want to encourage you, yeah, times are hard and we go through tough days, but you can be full of joy. You can be full of love. You can have patience. You can forgive. That is for every person. That's not just for a few of us. That is for every single person in this room. Moving on. When Daniel learned about this decree, he'd been signed and posted. He continued to pray just as he had always done. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he knelt in prayer, thanking and praising his God. The conspirators came and found him praying, asking God for help. They went straight to the king and reminded him of the royal decree that he had signed. Did you not, they say, sign a decree forbidding anyone to pray to any God or man except you for the next 30 days? And anyone caught doing it would be thrown into the lion's den. Absolutely, said the king, written in stone like the laws of Medes and Persians. They said, Daniel, one of your Jewish exiles, ignores you, O king, and defies your decree three times a day, he prays. At this, the king was very upset and tried his best to get Daniel out of the fix he'd put him in. 
He worked at it the whole day long. But then the conspirators were back. Remember, O king, it's the law that the king's decree can never be changed. The king carved in and ordered, caved in and ordered Daniel brought and thrown into the lion's den. But he said to Daniel, your God to whom you are so loyal is going to get you out of this. A stone slab was placed over the opening of the den. The king sealed the cover with his signet ring and the signet rings of all his nobles, fixing Daniel's fate. The king went back to his palace, refused supper. He couldn't sleep. He spent the night fasting. Something about Daniel. The thing about Daniel was that he didn't let the consequence compromise his relationship with God. He didn't let the fact that he knew what the consequence was by continuing his relationship with God stop him from praying three times a day. He didn't let the consequences of being thrown into a lion's den stop him from what it was that he felt God had called him to do. I know in my life, you know, I think we can all sit here and think that there's been times where I've let the consequence kind of compromise what it was that I was going to say. It might just be in a conversation. The consequence might be, well, they might not want to hang out with me anymore. They might not really think that I'm fun anymore. They, you know, they might just think that I'm some religious, you know, snob. Or, you know, they might just throw me to the lines. And the consequence of that has stopped me from really going for it. The consequences made me water down what I was going to say. The consequence of that has made me compromise what it is that I really wanted to do. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect Christian. I don't have it all. I'm not, you know, there's times where I struggle. There's times where, you know, my reputation, you know, that's a consequence You know, you might lose some friends. You might have to stop hanging out with some people. But the consequence of being thrown into the lion's den didn't stop Daniel from praying. In the middle of the trial, in the middle of his challenge, in the middle of knowing that if he got caught, he would be killed, he still went upstairs and it says he opened up his Windows to face Jerusalem. You know, in those times, Jerusalem was described as the center of godly worship. Sometimes it's described as the city of the house of God. So Daniel would would go up in the middle of the challenge, in the middle of the trial, and in the middle of this, this moment, he would go up and he would go into the upper room and he would turn the window and face the city of God. He would face the, the, the center of worship and he would pray. And I read that and I think, in my times of trial, where do I open up to? What do I look to? What do I go up and open the windows to and, and look to in the moment of, of a trial, in the moment of a challenge? You might have had a report and you might go and and open up your laptop and open up Google. And all of a sudden, instead of turning to God, you turn to Google and you try and work it out for yourself. 
You might have been in the middle of uh, financial trouble. And what do, you open, what do you go up and what do you open up to and what do you look to? Are we looking to God or are we looking to worldly things to try and satisfy what it is that we, we think we need? Because Daniel, three times a day, would go up and, and, and open the window and look to God. And if we can get that, if we can understand that in the middle of a challenge, in the middle of a trial, we can look to God. We can pray to Him. We can worship Him. That's why I love, like, worship at church tonight, every Sunday, is, is an amazing time. It's not, and again, you know, nothing we do here at church is for the sake of it. Nothing we do here at church is just because we think we have to. You know, church should be three songs and then a giving message and then um, family investment time and then preaching. No, everything we do at church is intentional. Everything we do at church is because we understand that each moment has a place and worship has a place for you that you can come and in the middle of your challenge in the middle of your trial, in the middle of the week that you've had, you can come into the presence of God, you can turn your face towards Him, and you can start to pray, and you can start to worship, and you can start to lay what it is down at the foot of the cross, and know that God is going to show up. And know that He's not going to let you down. Because He never has, and He never will. You know, God's never failed us. So, I don't know why you'd start now. What was that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think it was Oceans. I'm not sure. Could have been. They've written, they've written a couple of good songs at church. I'm just get filled up. But if we understand that in the midst of a trial, there's a lot to be noticed about someone who doesn't turn to the world, but turns to God. If we can be full of the Spirit, if we can be full of spirit and be someone who, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a challenge, doesn't turn to the things of the world but can turn to God, we will understand that people will take notice of that. People will notice that. You know, I think last week we went up to Splendor and we watched um, In Loving Memory of Shimon. And in that moment, I sat there and I thought, you know what? This is a tragic this could be a tragic moment, was a tragic moment. But I looked and watched the family of this young guy who had passed away stand on stage in front of thousands of people and play his music. And people around that time, people around in that moment would have looked and said, how can they do it? How can they have the strength to do that? You know, their brother's not with them anymore, but how can they have the strength to stand there and play his music and hear his voice? But I say that it's because they're full of the Spirit. And they know that they don't have to turn to the world, but they can turn to God. And that the Spirit will fill them with joy. The Spirit will fill them with love. And the Spirit will enable them to to find joy within tragedy. And it it, it was an amazing moment. It was an amazing moment for everyone that was there. Because in the moment where the world would say that that shouldn't be happening, they shouldn't be able to actually stand up there and sing his songs, 
but they could stand up there and not only just sing them, but smile. They could find joy in the middle of the trial, in the middle of a tragedy. They can find joy full of the Spirit. And Daniel, in the middle of his, gets caught. He gets caught praying to God. And they come up and, and they see him in the room and they take him to the king and they said, King, you said that anyone who gets caught gets thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel, knowing the consequence, knowing what was coming, just takes it. And he says, I'm not going to let the consequence compromise my relationship with my God. I'm going to do things that pleases God, not pleases man. And he stands there and he, and he takes what it is. And the, and the king even struggles with the fact that he's allowing for Daniel to be thrown into the den. And he throws him in. He throws him into the den. And, and he goes home and the king freaks out and fasts all night and, and prays to God that he doesn't get eaten. And then we look and it says at daybreak, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out anxiously, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve so loyal saved you from the lions? O king, live forever, said Daniel. My God sent his angel who closed the mouths of the lions so they would not hurt me. I've been found innocent before God and also before you, O king. I've done nothing to harm you. When the king heard these words, he was happy. He ordered Daniel taken up out of the den. When he was hurled up, there wasn't a scratch on him. He had trusted his God. Then the king commanded that the conspirators who had informed on Daniel be thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. That's maybe a bit far. Before they hit the floor, the lions hit them in their jaws, tearing them to pieces. King Darius published this proclamation proclamation to every race, colour and creed on the earth. Peace to you, abundant peace. I decree that Daniel's God shall be worshipped and feared in all parts of my kingdom. He is the living God, world without end. His kingdom never falls. His rule continues eternally. He is a saviour and rescuer. He performs astonishing miracles in heaven and on earth. He saved Daniel from the power of the lions. You know what? If in the middle of the consequence, if the middle of of his trial and his challenge, in the fact that he knew that he would be thrown to the lions, if Daniel stopped praying, and I wouldn't have blamed him if he stopped. I don't think I could say, if someone came up to me and said, if you don't stop doing that, you're going to be thrown to a lion's den. I probably... I would struggle to keep going. So I wouldn't have blamed Daniel for stopping. But he didn't stop. And the fact that he didn't stop allowed for a miracle to happen. Church, tonight, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is, whatever lions are surrounding you, whatever it feels like you've been thrown into, I want to challenge you tonight, don't stop praying. Don't stop your relationship with God. Because you never know if you stop what you're stopping. If Daniel stopped, the miracle wouldn't have taken place. And I know that in your challenge and in a trial, 
if it's right now or if it's to come. I know that we serve a God who will bring good out of every situation. We serve a God who will bring the best that we can't even imagine out of our tragedies and out of, out of our trials. And in this moment, it's exactly what happened. The king and that, 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 that community, that city was saved because of the faithfulness of one man. God was worshipped. God was recognised. God was given the position that he deserves because of the faithfulness of one man to not give up despite the consequence. Daniel, full of spirit, brimming with spirit, far stood out among the rest. He was thrown into the lion's den because of it. But because we serve a God who never, ever leaves us, who never, ever lets us down, He closes the mouths of the lions. He closes the mouths of the voices in your head. He silences the voices in your head. He silences the things that the enemy is going to throw at you to try and bring you down, to try and empty you of of spirit. But if we can get tonight, if we can understand tonight that if we are full of the spirit of God, that it doesn't matter what is going to be thrown at us, it doesn't matter what we might get thrown into, we know that God is going to be there. We know that he will show up. The band, I'll get the band to come up. Just as we end, I just want to ask the question if there's anyone here that you might be sitting tonight and you're in the middle of it, you're in the middle of a trial and, and, and the consequence of it is scaring you. The consequences of, of, of what, it, what may happen if, if you actually hand it over to God is a bit scary to you. Well, I just want to have a time where you can come and have prayer. If you want to be filled with the Spirit tonight, the Spirit of God and brimming from, with the Spirit. If you want to walk out of this place and know that love overflows, that joy can overflow in your life, that patience and goodness and kindness and forgiveness can overflow abundantly from you, then God wants to give that to you tonight. Every moment He wants us to be full of His Spirit. He wants us to know that we can turn to Him at all times. He wants us to know that He loves us, that He will show up, that He will silence the voices, that He will close the mouths of the lions. So if that's you, let's all stand. Let's all stand. The band's just going to play. And if you want to receive a touch from Him and encounter Him just where you are or down the front, there's plenty of room and you can come and do that tonight.